I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer. This week is a solo episode. But I'm really looking forward to delivering this because it's a subject that is very close to my heart. I've very recently been through the test that I'm going to talk to you about. We're going to go through my results. And I'll give you a bit of context before that as to what this is all about. So what I'm going to talk about is around gut health, specifically around the microbiome, which is essentially the ecosystem of bacteria that we have within our guts. That's really what we talk about when we talk about the microbiome. But I've very recently done a test, which for full transparency, my company has now partnered with this particular firm, which is called Viome, V-I-O-M-E. And I've done one of their tests and I've got my results and they're really, really interesting. So I wanted to share that with you which I will do. And then I'll share with you the recommendations it's made and how I'm going to integrate that into what I already do to try and improve my digestive health. And to get straight to the background, the reason that I'm very interested in this is what we're now starting to understand, particularly from a functional medicine perspective, is that a lot of conditions, things like depression, autism, autoimmune conditions like asthma and eczema and even rheumatoid arthritis, and that's not a comprehensive list, can all be linked back to the health of our gut and very specifically the diversity of bacteria we have in the gut and the particular strains of bacteria that we have in our guts. So if you go to a functional medicine practitioner, what they will tend to tell you now is let's look at your gut health and then we'll also look at whatever else is going on for you. So if you went in with headaches and depression, they would look at your gut health, but at the same time, look at the headaches and look at why you're feeling depressed and obviously refer on to other practitioners if if required. And it's a very interesting way to approach because We understand now that bacterial strains and the wrong amount of bacteria or an overprevalence of bad bacteria or just a lack of diversity could well be reaching far beyond the list of conditions that I just mentioned. So for instance, we know that there is a certain bacteria that we think might protect against cancer. So it's uh, very, very early stages, but that's what scientists think. We also know there's a bacteria that could help prevent inflammation, which knocks on immediately to, for example, heart disease. So understanding what's in your gut could help you to understand what is the cause of some of the things that you might be suffering from, whether it's mental health or physical health. So this is what sort of developed my interest in this, both from a personal and a professional standpoint. So professionally, we've been talking for quite a long time about gut health. We have been working with functional medicine practitioners to deliver gut tests, but we found this particular test I'm going to talk about is just breaks it down very, very simply. And it's easy to understand, very easy to take the recommendations and go off and do them. So I got quite excited about this from a professional standpoint. And then personally, I do have some gut issues. Last time I had a different and more sophisticated type of test, it came up that I had fairly high levels of inflammation in my gut, which I understand is still the case. 
There were also some other things that came out and part of the protocol I was given to help with that inflammatory situation was to eliminate gluten. So that's something I've looked to do. But just to backtrack a little bit, the gut health, what is going on in, in the gut? Why is it important to focus on this particular area of the body? And what we've now found out about this is it's incredibly sophisticated and alive part of the body, if you like. To give you some stats and some facts, we're actually, or the human gut is comprised of 10 times more microbial cells than it is human. So we as individuals are far more microbial than we are human, which I think is really interesting. There are roughly 100 trillion bacterial cells in the human gut across about 4,000 different species. So there's an extraordinary amount of these cells within our guts. About a trillion of those are in the colon. And the total weight of all of these bacterial cells is about three pounds. And three pounds is roughly the weight of a human brain, which incidentally I have held. So if you're a listener of the show, then you'll know that I interviewed Professor Wendy Suzuki a few weeks ago and about 18 months ago before that. And I met Wendy out in New York in, a, what was I think, a nightclub, but it was very early, very early on a Saturday night. And it wasn't in use as a nightclub. She was actually doing a talk there. And in the talk, she brings out this human brain that she's nicknamed Betty from a patient 20 odd years ago, obviously with her permission. This brain lives on and it, it helps her to deliver talks about the importance of, of brain health and the effects of exercise on the brain. Anyway, she's using this brain as a prop. And afterwards, I wanted to get her onto the show. So I went over to speak to her. And there it was sat in the box. And I couldn't resist saying, can I hold that thing? And yeah, it, it weighs three pounds, three or four pounds, but it feels really heavy. It's very, very dense. It's not a big part of the body, but it's very dense, very heavy. Anyway, if you were to take all the microbial cells of our gut and put them into a box or something similar, it would weigh about three pounds. And most of those cells are immune cells as well. So well, not most of them are the immune cells, but the human gut contains most of our immune cells, to be specific. So it's very, very important from a health perspective to take care of your gut, if only for that point alone. Now, the microbes that really look after us, how do we get exposed to those? Well, the answer is in almost every interaction we have with the environment and with each other, we get exposed to bacterial and microbial cells. But if we're born vaginally, we get the first dose from the mother's vaginal canal. So as we come out and we're birthed, we get dosed in these microbes from head to toe, basically. And that is our first touch of the outside world, if you like. Now, if you're born via C-section, that's not the case unless you take action. So if you're born via C-section and no one's really aware of this, then the first touch will be the doctor and, and the medical environment in which you're born into. Some people, particularly in, in my industry, because we're very tuned into this, will deliberately smear the baby's face with a swab taken from the mother's vagina to give them that first dose of microbes. And this might all sound a bit icky to you, but actually it's really important. Studies have shown that children that are breastfed and children that are born vaginally tend to have more robust immune systems later down the line. So this stuff is really important. So that's where we get our first dose of microbes from. But essentially, we're far more microbial than we are human. So let's find out more about this stuff. Let's find out what's going on in the gut. And that's what drove me to do this particular test. So let's, let's jump in and, and talk through my results. The app itself, and this you can find at www.viome, which is V-I-O-M-E dot com forward slash body shot 
performance. And if you use that specific link, which is Viome, V-I-O-M-E dot com forward slash body shot performance, you'll always take advantage of the latest promotional offers that they're doing on there as well. We may at some point have a discount code for now. We don't have one. So when you go onto that particular platform and you go through the testing process, what happens is they will send you a box around a week or 10 days after you place the order. It comes over from the US. There are no issues with customs or shipping or any of that stuff, which could often be the case. Beautifully presented packaging. Essentially, it's a stool test. So this means you take a very small sample of your stool, you put it into the test tube, follow the instructions on and post it back to the US. And about four weeks, you get the results. And it will tell you, fundamentally four things that you can go off in action. There is some supplementary information, which I'm going to talk you through, but fundamentally it's four things in the, the tab they call recommendations. So it's foods to avoid, foods that you need to minimize, foods you can eat on occasions and superfoods to include. So it's very, very, very simple to follow. And you also have the option of clicking on all foods And typing in a food, let's say avocado, for example, and it will come up and tell you whether that's a food that you need to minimize or a superfood or how you need to respond to that. So I've just typed in avocado to my platform here and it tells me to minimize it. But it does say I can enjoy, which means have it three or four times a week, but not every day, avocado oil which is great because that is something that I cook with quite frequently. Avocado is something I really enjoy to eat as well. So interesting, it says minimize. So what am I going to do with that information? I will probably have an avocado twice a week. And I blend this information with my DNA. So I I know roughly how to structure my diet according to my DNA. And I'm going to come back onto that point about how I, I blend the two. But I know from my DNA that I am a moderate, moderately sensitive to saturated fat. So I do tend to minimize avocados because of that reason anyway. So a couple of times a week, I'm going to have those. Avocado oil, which we cook with a lot, I can enjoy, which means have that most of the time, not all of the time. So that's how it's broken down. So if I take you into my foods to avoid, let's have a look at this. So these are foods that I should absolutely avoid and not have even occasionally, but try and eliminate from my diet completely. Black pepper, cashews, cauliflower, chickpeas, corn tortillas, grapes, hot pepper, lentils, onion, pistachios, potato, prunes, tomatoes. So an interesting blend and mix of foods. Some of these I don't like or don't eat anyway, like corn tortillas, prunes I wouldn't eat, grapes I don't tend to eat a lot of either. Some of them, for example, onions, I know I don't tolerate very well. And the reason it's given me is this. Onion is a void for your microbiome. An analysis of your data indicates that the fructooligosaccharides in onion can be unfavorable to your microbiome and your gut integrity and function. So one of the things I like about this is it doesn't go into a huge amount of detail because for most people, they don't have any appetite for that. It just simply tells you avoid, minimize, eat sparingly, superfood. It makes it really easy for you to get hold of this information and say, right, okay, that's what I should do. And I don't propose to avoid all of those foods necessarily straight off the bat, by the way. I'm going to pick some of them. Well, the ones I don't like would make a lot of sense just to, you know, I don't eat those anyway. Other foods like black pepper, I do tend to put on a lot of stuff. So I will probably look to cut that down. Cauliflower, I can eliminate because we eat lots of vegetables and I know that it's not going to be too hard to do that. Lentils don't tend to eat an awful lot of. Onion, I, to come back to that. It's interesting because every time I eat an onion, I will get belching, 
it really doesn't agree very well with me. So that's really interesting. That really chimes with what I know about myself. Potatoes is always on this, also on this list. And that's going to be a bit of a tough one because I do like potatoes. Interestingly, it's specified small organic, but I guess it just means potatoes in general. So, so they're the foods to avoid. Now, if we have a look at my superfoods, these are foods it wants me eating lots of. So arugula, which is not a vegetable I've come across. Bone broth, mammal, which is great because I do have a fair bit of bone broth, probably a couple of times a week, either drunken as a cup of bone broth or made into some sort of chicken stew. And what I do typically is I'll have a chicken for a Sunday roast. I'll then put all the bones into a slow cooker, strip everything down, any bits of the, the joint, you know, uh, or bits of the meat that aren't that appetizing. I will put into there as well. We'll put in some herbs, some spices. And up until now, I was putting in black pepper, but I can cut that out. And then I put the slow cooker on for about 12 hours. Drain it, get rid of the bones. There's a little side benefit, which we've got a cat and a dog. And of course, they love the meat. They're very tempted by the smell of the bone broth. But there are little bits of meat that once it's been boiling for 12 hours, just slip off the bone and, and the, the animals absolutely love them. So every single bit of this chicken is getting consumed or either boiling the hell out of the bones and eating every bit of meat, either me, my partner, the cat or the dog are eating that meat. So that feels really good as well. You know, eating a really well-sourced, well-treated, organic, free-range chicken and then literally not wasting any of it. That feels great. So bone broth is going to be an easy one to include more of. Carrots, not crazy on, but they're very easy to put into top my diet and just get them down. Ghee, I don't tend to eat. So that'd be interesting to see how I can weave that in. Ginger, don't tend to, but tea would be an easy way to consume ginger. Smoothies as well. Kale, absolutely love it. I've got kale plants, at least 10 kale plants out in the garden growing. So I'm very pleased to see that's on the superfood list. Olives, not bothered about, but they're quite easy to get a few olives down me. Oregano is a spice which I can quite easily include. Papaya, I tend to eat my vegetables and fruits seasonally. So uh, yes, at the right time of year, I can eat more papaya. Radishes, easy. Salmon, wild caught salmon, that's an easy one to include. Turmeric, very easy to include. And apple cider vinegar which I haven't been consuming, even though, as you probably know, if you've been listening in, I've been spending a bit of time thinking about blood sugar and glycemic variability. So a good other easy one to include. So actually, that list is not too bad, but I'm not necessarily going to tackle this head on and include all of these foods and exclude all the other foods I've just mentioned. I think with this kind of stuff, it's important to look at it as part of the whole picture. So I'm going to look at this in conjunction with my DNA results, which I will touch on in a second. And look at it in conjunction with my overall lifestyle and what foods do I just enjoy eating and what benefits and changes do I really want to get from this? And then I will probably approach it in phases. So the initial phase, cut out what I don't eat anyway or include the stuff that's easy. Have a phase two, which will be bringing in something like more carrots, for example, maybe more oregano. Phase three would be finding out what an arugula is and then maybe including it into my diet. If I can get hold of it seasonally and relatively locally, I, I don't know about that. So I'm not necessarily going to tackle this in one because for, for the majority of us, that's, it's going to seem like too much. So they are the superfoods. Now, it's also given me some food tips in terms of preparing food. And some of this is for example, for optimal absorption of nutrients, it's sometimes important to soak grains and flowers and legumes and nuts and seeds and so on prior to cooking. And that is a big one, actually. You can render some of these foods indigestible if you don't cook them in the right way. So it's pretty important to be mindful of that. So 
it gives you a little bit of information on how to prepare your foods. You then get to the microbiome overview section, which is really, it's talking about your metabolic fitness and your inflammatory activity. So metabolic fitness is connected with body weight and glycemic response. And they're looking at your blend of bacteria in conjunction with that. And it's telling me that I'm average in terms of my metabolic fitness. So bang in the middle. I would probably expect that to be a little bit higher. But on the other hand, if I look at the other aspect of microbiome overview, which is inflammatory activity, it actually puts me up in the high results. And that's not a situation that's a good thing to be in. I mean, inflammation is great when you've cut your finger and so on. And I have talked about this quite a lot in recent shows, but it's not good if we're talking about inflammation of the gut. It normally means that something's not right in there. I'm eating the wrong foods and it's causing an inflammatory response. And they can easily detect that via the bacteria that I've got in my gut. So it's giving me a score based on the inflammation. And then it's also giving me a bit of background as to what inflammation is, what are the inflammatory pathways. It doesn't go too much into exactly what you could do about this, except to say, here are the foods to avoid and here are the foods to eat. And that, in theory, should reduce that inflammatory activity. If you felt you needed more information, there are other deeper, more sophisticated, complex tests that you could do. And you would need to do those via a functional medicine practitioner. And if you think that might be you, then get in touch with me. Contact us through our contact form on our website, bodyshopperformance.com, or through social media, if that's how you've got to this podcast. And I can put you in touch with some people, particularly if you're based in, in the UK or in London. But I'm going to try and tackle this inflammatory activity through avoiding the foods I should avoid and including more superfoods. And it takes about 90 days, according to research published on the Viome website, for effects of your diet to manifest in your gut activity and in gut health. So I'll need to do this for about three months. And my intention is to retest probably every six months, because this is a relatively affordable test. It ranges in price from $199 to $399, depending on whether they're running promotions. But if you use that link I gave you, which is viome.com forward slash body shop performance, you'll always get the latest price in there and keep an eye on it as well. Keep an eye on it to see when, the, when they're running a promotional offer. There's some other information on here as well. So it talks a little bit about my gut ecosystem, which is basically the types of bacteria that live inside my gut that we know affect health and well-being. And actually, it's telling me I've got low microbial richness. So I don't have as much diversity of bacteria in my gut as it would like me to have. So what am I going to be doing about that? Well, I'll come on to it when I give you some of the takeaways you know, towards the end of the podcast. But certainly eating more diverse ranges of foods is going to help me with that microbial richness. So it does suggest to me that I'm not eating enough diversity of food. I'm eating too many of the, the same kind of things. But I can, I can play around with that. I can include more foods and see what it does to the microbial richness when I next do a retest. And I probably will do that sooner than six months just because of that inflammatory activity. It will also go through my microbiome activity. And this is really linked to microbes that are found in commercially available probiotic products. That was of, of less interest to me because I don't take probiotics actively. Not, not in terms of tablet form anyway. I do take them in, in terms of foods that I eat, like fermented foods and the goat milk kefir that you've heard me talking about before. So that's essentially what it's the information it's giving me. It does also make a recommendations of supplements that I might want to take, but 
currently I'm not going down that route. I'm looking to expand the number of superfoods that I'm eating and avoid foods that it's, it's asking me to avoid minimize the foods it's asking me to minimize. So I'm going to follow that fairly rigidly for the next 90 days or so and then retest and see what that does for my my overall gut health. Now, let's say you are going to do this test or even if you aren't, there are some other really good kind of rules of thumb that you can follow to prioritize excellent gut health. And they are these. The first one is around variety. So including as much variety in your diet as you possibly can is a really good, you know, irrespective of your gut results or whether you've done a test, it's just a really good principle to follow. Very recently, we ran a competition, I guess it was, with Shan Nix-Jones of Chuckling Goat Farm in, in West Wales and her team, the people that make the goat milk kefir that we drink and we endorse and we're often talking about. And I was recording a podcast with her as well. This is a few months ago now. And she said, we should be eating around 50 different foods a week. And I thought, hmm, 50 foods a week. Uh, do I do I consume that many? I couldn't really think about it. So we, we put it to the test. I, I said, well, I'm going to do this. And my partner's going to do this as well. And then I thought, well, why don't Shan and I run a promotion across our, our followers on social media and challenge people to eat 50 different foods a week. So we did this. Now we we made an effort, but we didn't go all out and try and hit 50 because I think that would have defeated the point. We wanted to eat a fairly typical week, week's diet and see how many portions did that or different food types, sorry, did that end up being. So we got to 48. Someone said to me, could you not have hit 50? Could you not have just had two different foods? Well, we could have done, but that would have defeated the point. So 48, and we were, we were trying reasonably hard to do that. So it really does show that, you know, on a, a slack week, we probably aren't getting anywhere near 50. So that was interesting. So as much variety as you can, and that is color, texture, mouthfeel, all sorts of different foods. One thing I really like that was suggested to me is to eat a rainbow. So make sure you've got some red foods, orange foods, yellow foods, you know, lots and lots of different colors on a plate. And that can be quite fun for kids as well to get them to identify the different colors of the rainbow on a plate of food and maybe opens up their mind to eating different types of foods as well. Point number two or tip number two is fermented foods. So these are foods like kimchi, kombucha, sauerkraut, the goat milk kefir that I've just been talking about that's made just from goat milk and, and Russian kefir grain recipe. They're fermented foods. Fermented foods are a great source of probiotics and probiotics introduce new strains of bacteria into the gut prebiotics just feed the existing bacteria that's there. So fantastic to have natural prebiotics like onions and garlic, a good prebiotics, but also probiotics, bringing new strains of bacteria into the gut. So fermented foods are a really good source of probiotics. Tip number three is limiting your exposure to antibiotics. These literally creates so much collateral damage. So an antibiotic will probably do the job you want it to do, but it kills an awful lot of bacterial diversity in its wake. It leaves a lot of damage in its wake. So my advice would be, or how, how do I handle this? I haven't had antibiotics for years, probably decades. But if that was offered to me as a suggestion, as a remedy, I would just push back with the GP and say, is that the only option? Is there anything else I could do? To, to try and solve this problem. And if the answer repeatedly is no, there isn't, you need to take these antibiotics, then okay, I would take them. But I would also, at an appropriate time, be recolonizing my gut as quickly as possible with probiotics and prebiotics and lots and lots of variety of different foods, following all the tips that I'm about to give you. 
Now, I'm not necessarily saying that's what you should do, but that's what I would do. But certainly be aware the damage antibiotics can cause and look to recolonize your gut as quickly as possible after you've had them. Tip number four is to avoid inflammation. So an inflammatory situation could be caused by eating foods that don't agree with you. It could be caused by stress, lack of sleep. All of these things can cause inflammation. But inflammation, it can be very toxic to the body. It causes a lot of conditions. You know, depression is being linked to inflammation. Lots and lots of different conditions being linked to it. So trying to avoid an inflammatory situation in the body by sleeping well, practicing mindfulness or meditation or heartfulness, as I call it, which is just doing something that you love. Trying to minimize the stressors in your life will have a direct link on how much inflammation you do or don't have in the whole body. Tip number five, limiting sugars. Sugars can cause inflammation. Tip number six, minimizing caffeine and alcohol. Again, neither of them have a, a good effect on gut bacteria. So just minimizing those two is always a great move. And number seven, managing stress. I kind of touched on that when we talked about inflammation, but recently went to a brilliant talk by Dr. Gabor Mate, who wrote several books in the realm of hungry ghosts was one of them. He's a psychotherapist who's based out in Canada in Toronto. He's Hungarian born and he works with addicts in the very worst part of town. And he, he does a lot of speaking and he writes a lot about the links between stress and addiction, addiction and trauma, stress and disease. And in this talk I went to last week, he was talking about how stress can literally diminish our immune system response. It can create lots of inflammatory situations within the body. It can be linked to lots of different diseases. It can make us vulnerable to chronic disease, make us vulnerable to loneliness and the impact that has on the body and our well-being. Really interesting speaker. If you don't know his work, I'll put a link in the show notes to his website and you can look for his books. And maybe if, if you're interested in hearing him speak, I definitely recommend that as well. So uh, just to wrap up, I did mention the DNA test that I've done. This is a oral swab test. So it's a saliva test. And it looks at the right type of diet for you and the right type of fitness you respond to based on your particular genes. So I've done this test. I've done this for quite a while. And it's told me that I'm sensitive, highly sensitive to carbohydrate, have moderate sensitivity to saturated fat, uh, lactose intolerance, but I'm tolerant to gluten. My requirements for vitamin B6, B12, D3, my requirement for antioxidants, my requirements for cruciferous vegetables. So it kind of provides me with a genetic blueprint for good health. So when I eat according to my DNA, I know that I'm not fighting my genetics. If my genetics are such that I don't convert vitamin D3 very well from the sun, which is the case for me, I know I need to supplement in food, but predominantly through a tablet. I also know I don't convert antioxidants very well because of my genes. So I need to eat more of them or supplement in some way. Same for cruciferous vegetables. I know that I'm highly sensitive to carbohydrates. So I eat a minimal carbohydrate diet. I have most of my carbs in the evening and they're almost all vegetables, possibly sweet potato, possibly rice. Interestingly, as you, you may remember, if you listen to the show that I was wearing a continual blood glucose monitor and the thing that sent it highest of all the things I ate, including biscuits and chocolate, was rice. And in a way, that's surprising. The rice sends my blood sugar higher than chocolate fingers, for example. But on the other hand, it doesn't because I know genetically I'm highly sensitive to carbohydrate. So what I'm doing is I am blending my DNA data, my genetic blueprint for good health, with the real-time data that I'm getting here from the Viome test. So I won't go against any of, in fact, it doesn't contradict anyway, but I won't go against anything I've learned from my DNA. 
But for example, instead of eating more cauliflower to meet that increased need for cruciferous vegetables, I'll eat more kale because it's a superfood or Brussels sprouts or broccoli, for example. So what I love about it is the blueprint for good health, the DNA never changes, but the real time data is the gut data. So I will be looking at that, as I say, every six or 12 months and then making tweaks and modifications to my diet accordingly. So fantastic information to have. I think for anyone interested in health, fitness and well-being, taking advantage of these direct-to-consumer tests, it just makes incredible amounts of sense. You can start to track and monitor things about yourself. You can take all the guesswork around what should I be eating? When should I be eating it? How much of it should I be eating? A lot of the testing now is, is not that expensive to do. And it gives you a lot of information that you can then go off with the help of a coach or without and make those changes to your diet that ultimately will improve your health now, but improve your health 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line as well. Because, you know, the focus of my company, Body Shot, and my philosophy personally and professionally is health span, not lifespan. Let's do stuff now that prolongs our health span so that we can get another useful five or 10 years out of life. So there's loads there. That link again for the Viome, if you're interested, is Viome, V-I-O-M-E dot com forward slash body shop performance. Um, I'll put a link to the DNA test, which you can find on our website, bodyshopperformance.com. I'll put a link to Dr. Gabor Marte's stuff in the show notes as well. And if you've got questions on any of this or feedback or you're interested, you can email me at leanne at bodyshopperformance.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-E. Or get in touch via the website, bodyshopperformance.com. Oh, if you're watching or listening this to this rather through social media, just drop in a comment and we'll get back to you. Lastly, this is a topic I get asked about loads. So it's obviously of interest to people. If you think this podcast could benefit anyone else, share it. We really appreciate that. Let's try and get this into the ears of many people who need to listen to it. So that's it from me. I'll be talking to you next week. And thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotperformance.com and click on take the test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.